0: Today's message was recorded for Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. I'd like to welcome you once again to Central Park Neighborhood Church. This is our Wednesday night Bible study. Last time we were together, we looked at the subject of seasons, and we'll take just a moment to review a little bit from our last session, and then we'll go on from there. We stated that every person goes through many seasons in life. And it's important that we understand the season that we're in and discern the time and the season that we're in and the day that we are living. We have many challenges before us. We have many things before us, uh, things we haven't faced before. Uh, But it is a season. It is a time. And because uh, this season is here and it causes discomfort, because it is here and it causes uh, us to think and consider things and question things. It is important that we get out of this season what we're supposed to get out of it, amen, and let it work in our hearts and lives. Let it bring change and growth in our hearts and minds, and let's move on from there. But as we looked at the subject of seasons, we said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, there are seasons and times that are given to every person. So, this is something that's common to humanity. It's common to the person you know, common to the person that you're married to. Uh, we can't get away from it. It's part of the cycle of life. It is part of uh, life that moves us from one season to the next, and in that there comes growth, in that there comes uh, uh, even a greater understanding and a knowledge of God in that. So, verse 1 of chapter three of ecclesiastes says to everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven to everything there's a season there's an appointed occasion there's an appointed time when it talks about this appointed occasion and it it is involved with time this word time is talking about now it's talking about right where you are at right at this moment now and so There's times and season that are given to you right now. It's for right now, and it has a purpose for you. And that purpose, basically, I'm going to give you two thoughts here in review. Number one, it is pleasurable. Even though it seems to be difficult that we're going through it at this point, when we look back and we can say, well, you know, this is what God did for me and in me, and through me in this season that I'm in. So it's pleasurable. In other words, it's a valuable thing. We don't want to skip out or miss anything that God does for us. It's a valuable thing that we're involved in in this day and this hour. He makes every season beautiful in its time. I like what this scripture says in verse 11. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything. So... When we think about the scripture and it says God works good towards us who love him, he works good out of all those things. Here's another scripture that comes along and says he makes everything beautiful in its time. It's bright. It's beautiful. Amen. It's something that is purposeful. It is something that has great value in it. In our seasons uh, that we go through, only God can satisfy you in each season of life. God, he wants to be our source, he wants to be our number one, he wants to be uh, foremost in our thoughts, foremost in our actions and lifestyle, and he wants us to find satisfaction in him in the season we're in, because many times the season that we're in, if you're in a winter season, you know, winter season, a tree in the natural loses its leaves, Um, it, it it is bare, it is naked to the elements, and, and it, many times if there's snow, it gets icicles and snow and cold, and it's subject to the weather, the wind, that, that would blow hard against it, but as sure as there's a winter, there's a spring when it will bloom forth again, and it will become beautiful, and all the nakedness will be gone, all the nakedness will be hid because of the beauty of the foliage that comes out on the tree. And so it's God, it's God that can satisfy you in the season that you are in. And not only can he satisfy you in the season you're in, it's God that brings forth the revelation that's needed in the season. Rather than think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that it's going to produce something in you. It's going to produce patience, you know. And then he says things like, ask God who gives wisdom. We need God's wisdom in the difficult situations and trials that we have because many times we don't understand and we we look at these things and we we wrestle with them and we we have great uh, wrestlings in our mind and in our spirit. Uh, But when you get an answer from the Spirit of God and His wisdom comes, then you begin to understand. Then you begin to embrace what you're in and you begin to Face it and begin to have good attitudes and begin to have uh, proper speech and proper viewing and perspective of what God is doing in your heart and life, so God is the one that will bring the revelation that's needed in the season of life that you're in in the seasons of life. God would have us to be dependent upon him for all things ecclesiastes three eighteen I said in my heart regarding the subject to the sons of men. God is trying, separating and sifting them that they, they may see that by themselves under the sun. Without God, they are but like beasts. Uh, and so in the seasons of life, God wants us to be totally dependent upon him. Uh, don't run into something else uh, and try and find solace or try and find answers, but run into God, run into his, the tower that he is, and you'll find safety. You'll find answers in him. Another point that we looked at is, you will reap in due season if you do not faint. Galatians chapter 6, 8 through 10, verse 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So he says, don't become weary in well-doing. Many times uh, there's a weariness that comes, because there's a laboring mentally that takes place in our hearts and lives, many times in seasons that are difficult. So let's have the attitude we're going to reap and what's going, what we're going to reap is going to be beneficial and put that in our form, forefront of our mind and our hearts and thinking and that will take care of those things that we'll try to rob and steal and uh, want to keep you in a state of mind uh, that is not positive. Speak positive words in your season. You know, it's easy to be negative. But I like what the scripture says in Proverbs fifteen four: The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. That's wonderful. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. A tree of life. When I think of a tree, I think of uh, a fruit-bearing tree. And, and that this season the apples are growing and the pears are growing. The peaches are growing. And, and soon we'll be able to partake of those fresh, delicious fruit that come forth from the trees. So the tongue... That brings healing is a tree of life. The tongue has the power of life and death. Speak positive words. Not only to others, but speak positive words to yourself. Tell yourself, I am going to make it because God is for me. I am going to press forward because God is with me. I am going to make it because my brothers and sisters are walking with me. And together we will move forward. We will conquer and we will be victorious in Jesus name. Well, we find that speak positive words was another sub, subject uh, that we just took for just a few moments. And, and um, let's look at this one more point here. There is a definite time for each season. You know, a season only lasts for a set time. In other words, no season is forever. A trial or circumstance is for a little while. It's not forever. When you're in it, it feels like it's forever. Is, is this thing going to ever end? But... When we look at it, it says in Second Corinthians four seventeen, For our light affliction is but for a moment. Our light affliction is but for a moment. So there's a definite time and a definite place and a definite purpose for these things that we go through. So that kind of brings a conclusion to seasons and a reviewing of that part of the lesson that we took the last time we spoke. Now I want to uh, move along in this idea of seasons, and I want to uh, take the life of Joseph. And Joseph, uh, when you read, uh, beginning in Genesis chapter 37, and you begin to read the story and the account of his life and the different things that he went through, there's a key word uh, that you'll find about his life, and it's the word house, his father's house. The uh, pharaoh's jailhouse pharaoh's house Um, you'll find his brother's house Uh, that word house is used about 60 different times uh, throughout the scriptures and they're involved with the life of joseph not only is he going from house to house look at it and think of it in terms he's going from season to season and Each time there was a change of house, each time there was a change of season, there was a new set of circumstances, there was a new set of problems and things that arose in his life and challenges that he had to make uh, and overcome and live through. And all the time God was bringing beauty to his life and God was adding to his life. And as we look at his life, we'll find some of these things are, are not pleasant. And likewise, in our own lives, there's things that are not pleasant for us. But we want to begin to look at the family life that uh, Joseph was raised in, and we'll look at his uh, father's family, and we want to consider the relationship, all of the relationships between uh, Jacob and his wives, and not only Jacob and his wives, but Jacob and Joseph and the children and his wives, and look at the all the interrelatedness of these relationships and how each one of these relationships had a direct bearing in the life of joseph and in the development of joseph in taking joseph to the purpose that god had raised him up for in genesis chapter 37 this is where we will begin in verses one and two and jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of canaan these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. So right here at this very beginning, we we, we don't have his younger years, but we have uh, the beginning for him at 17 years of age. And in 17 years of age, we, we can begin to deduct as we read and study the interrelatedness of these relationships uh, of his upbringing and how uh, they interrelated to one to another and how they spoke to one another etc so he was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the sons of billah and with the sons of zilpah his father's wives and joseph brought unto his father their evil report that's just kind of it doesn't go on and explain to us what this evil report was it doesn't uh and lay it out word for word or what was going on, but as, as we understand the scripture and what was going on between the wives and the children, we will begin to understand the report then that he brings back to his father. And uh, let's go on. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 1 through 5, and Isaac called Jacob, he blessed him, he charged him, and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. So, Right off, we begin to find that Jacob is being given a wife by his father, but he has some specific instructions. Arise, go to Pandoram, to the house of Bethel, my mother's father, he says, and take thee a wife. It's an interesting thing, take thee a wife, singular, here it is, from hence of the daughters of Laban, my mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. So he he gives him instructions about having a wife, and then he begins to pronounce a blessing upon his life, and and fruitfulness, and a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham. He reaches back to uh, Abraham, Father Abraham. And he says, To thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land, for thou art a stranger." So he's blessing him and saying, listen, you're going to go forth into the promised land, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent Jacob away. He went to Pandaram unto Laban, son of Bethel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now let's just take a moment here. We're, we're going to build this family, and we're going to take it and look at it here. And we'll look at Genesis chapter 35, and we see that, number one, his father sends him to get a wife but in genesis 35 here we have the full family now uh, given to us in the scripture so it begins to uh, already begins to lay some things out and say well we didn't go just get one wife but something happened here in genesis 35 22 to 26 and the sons of jacob were 12 so he's got 12 The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Issachar, and Zebulun. So here we've got Leah, obviously a wife. Verse 24, the sons of Rachel. Here we have another wife, Joseph and Benjamin. And the sons of Beulah, Rachel's handmaiden, Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob, which were born to him in Pandaram. the interesting thing here is we have really one firstborn in the family and that was really Reuben and that was Leah's son. He was actually the firstborn in the family but when you consider it you have four women, you have four wives and each one of these uh, wives had their firstborn. And so even though Reuben was the firstborn of Leah and had uh, rights and provision in the family and benefits for being the firstborn. Uh, the other women also had firstborn, and they probably had in their mind also, well, you know, I have a firstborn also. And so that would all written, begin to uh, show us and begin to give to us right there some inkling, some insight into some things that began to go on. So what happens here? Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Uh, But on the wedding night, he was given Leah, the firstborn. So Leah was given to uh, Jacob instead of Rachel. And so then what happened? Jacob then had to serve another seven years for Rachel. Now he has two sisters uh, that are his wives. And let's read the scripture here in Genesis 29, verse 16. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, Yeah, it's better that I give her to thee uh, than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me, he says. Stay with me, and you will receive the younger daughter. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him like but a few days for the love he had for her. Right here we begin to see for the love that he had for her. And we see that um, Leah's in the picture, but this man loves Rachel. And Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast, and so on. And uh, we find then that there's something else that begins to take place here. When uh, Laban gave Jacob... Uh, his daughters it tells us this here's an interesting thing and laban gave unto his daughter leah zilpah his maid for a handmaid so we find that this really wasn't the choosing of jacob rather it was his father-in-law that added to him the women that were involved in his life verse 25 it came to pass in the morning behold it was leah he said to laban what is this that you've done did i not serve thee for rachel wherefore hast thou beguiled me Laban said it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn fulfill her week and we will give this also for your service and you will serve me with yet another seven years and the purpose of that was to get the the younger daughter of which he did. So Jacob marries both girls but he loves Rachel more than Leah. In Genesis 29 verses 28 to 30 Jacob did so, fulfilled her week And he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, here we go, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. So with um, the second wife, which Jacob wanted to be the first wife, also comes another woman, another handmaid, comes into the picture. And so now, instead of just two sisters he's married, he has actually uh, four women that are involved in his life and that are given to him. And I would like to read a couple of scriptures here concerning here the marrying of sisters. It says in Leviticus 18:18, 18, 18, you shall not marry two sisters for they will be rivals. However, if your wife dies, then it is all right to marry your sister. He's, so the scripture bears it out. Now we've got some an interesting thing going on here. We've got rivalry that is beginning to take place among these women. In Genesis 29:13, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Here is another, another intricate key uh, and an intricate problem that's beginning to take place. We find that Leah is hated, but God opens her womb so she can have children. Rachel is barren, and uh, but Leah is hated. Okay, it means to hate personally. There was a personal hate for this. For this young girl, in Proverbs 26:24 it says, "He who hates pretends with his lips, but stores up deceit within himself." So we've got we've got rivalry. Now we've got hate. We've got these kinds of things going on uh, among the wives. The rivalry begins with the two sisters. Leah is trying to get her husband to love her through the rearing of children. You know, she says, "I'm going to have these children and." having children for this man, then what's going to happen for me is my husband is going to love me, and uh, it's going to be all right. He won't love uh, Rachel. He'll love me more, and that's the way that is. And the rivalry is is hot and going, and uh, on they go. And let's go on in Genesis twenty nine thirty two. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, now therefore here's her here's her attitude now therefore my husband will love me she knew that he didn't love her verse 33 it goes on and she conceived again and bare a son and said because the lord hath heard that i was hated he hath therefore given me this son also and she called his name simeon i'm sure at this point now she's she's kind of rubbing some things in rachel's face and uh uh, you know, maybe maybe it's not verbal, but you can know that there's looks and actions that's taking place. Verse 34: She conceives again and bears a son, and said, "Now this time will my husband be joined unto me?" She didn't feel loved by him. She did. She didn't feel that she was joined uh, with her husband. Um, kind of a sad state of affairs that she was in. Because I have borne him three sons, therefore was his name called Levi. She conceived again a bare son, and she said, Now I will praise the Lord. We finally get a positive note here. Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Now we've got Leah with children. we got Leah um, with children, and we see Rachel responding to this in Genesis 30. And Rachel saw that she bared Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children lest I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel and said, Am I in God's stead who hath withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? It's interesting here now with Rachel, we've got another attitude that is festering and developing in her life, and that is the attitude of envy. And envy is motivating her to... uh, Come forcefully to her husband and really blame him in the situation for her not having children. And how did Jacob respond to that? He responded in anger. So here we here this thing is escalating. We've got we've got anger. We've got hate. We've got deceitfulness. We've got rivalry. We've got competition. We've got uh, speaking out of turn. We've got envy going on in these uh, women's lives. The word envy here, it's talking about being jealous or envious. It's in a bad sense. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but, listen to this, but envy, the rottenness of the bones. What do the bones do? They produce blood. They produce life. And you'll find that envy is something that basically rots If we could say that, the very life that our bones, our structure, should be giving to us. It's a powerful scripture that really really speaks to us of what we should do and how we should handle envy. Proverbs 14.30 in the Amplified reads this way, A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. But envy, jealousy, and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. Wrath is cruel, it says, and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? She declared to Jacob, give me children. Her expectations were misplaced. I like what the scripture says in Psalms 127, verse 3. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. That's the Amplified. The King James says, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. God gives children. So that kind of sets the stage of probably the attitudes and the conversation that is happening between the women, or more likely, uh, you know, they're going to their handmaidens and talking, and there's all kinds of things that's going on here. And the children now, the children that come into these situations, they are subject to, to these um, they are subject to these attitudes. They are learning their learned attitudes. They are listening. Children listen to what's being said, and they begin to pick that up and they take it. and And so, this is what's being put into uh, all of the children's lives. It's not just not just Joseph that's subject to it, but basically, um, we find then that this is the this begins the setting. This begins the family life of Jacob's wives, Jacob's family, and which Joseph was born into. And uh, we're going to find that as we go along here, uh, that this escalates to not only the wives get into it, but we're going to find that uh, this carries over into the attitudes of the children towards Joseph himself. The many attitudes that came into existence between the sisters, they were imparted to the children, and the children would listen, and then first thing you know, they pick up these attitudes, and they begin to turn on one another, turn on one another. Let's just take a couple of moments here, and we'll take a look at some of the attitudes now of uh, Joseph's uh, brothers towards him in Genesis chapter 37, verse 4. Here we find that, uh, speaking of uh, Jacob and Joseph's relationship and how his brothers and sisters view that. In Genesis 37:4, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So we find that the father's love that was given, uh, especially to this young man, Joseph, it created a problem with the rest of the children, and they hated him, and they hated him to the point they couldn't have a normal conversation with him. they just couldn't speak anything good to him at all uh He would be like a uh, a hen with a bunch of other hens, and she that hen is pecked on it is it is you know there's a pecking order that's in with the chickens in in they peck and they, they torture that chicken. Well, here's what's going on with this young man. He's been he's been picked on, he's being uh hated, he's constantly getting these barbs with the words and the things that come to him. In Genesis thirty seven, verse eleven, another attitude that we find here is that his brothers envied him, but his father observed the same. This is really talking about uh, when God had given uh, Joseph a, two different dreams, and they interpreted it, and uh, they interpreted about coming and bowing down, and, and all of these things, and it caused more hatred, it caused more strife, but they were also envious because God had given this young man a vision, God had given this young man a dream, but even in that, you'll find that envy, once again, begins to crop up, Between the brothers and Joseph. Where do we see the envy? Envy comes with Rachel and Leah. It's right there in the mother's hearts. It's something that's being uh, put into the hearts and lives of children. I like what Proverbs 27 verse 4 says again. Wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? There it is. In Matthew 27 verse 18, it's talking about Jesus standing before Pilate and uh, he's being accused, and there's, there's conversation going back and forth between the religious leaders, and uh, uh, he was delivered to Pilate, and Pilate, this is what Pilate says, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. The religious people had delivered him, uh, hoping to do away with Jesus. It, they were envious of him, and Pilate knew that. Envy, envy, rottenness to the bone, rottenness to the bone. So we find that envy is is alive, and it is going forth and being manifest in their lives. As we continue on, we'll pick up on this another time, but the last point, they conspired against him to murder him. In Genesis 37, 18-20, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. So they wanted to take his life. Not only did they hate him, they envied him, but they wanted, they had they've had some talk and they said listen let's put a plan together that we can take this young man out and we'll see then what happens of his dreams and so here we begin to find uh, these are just some of the points we will we will pick up more of these next time we get get together these are some of the points and and the attitudes that we see in the family and we, the things that are festering in the in the women and festering in the kids and how they're interacting with one another. These things uh, would move Joseph along in life. They would move Joseph along in life. God can use the negative to move you along in life. Don't look at the negative as just a negative and it has no value. No, God uses all things, even negative things, and if we will respond correctly, we will find that God will use it And we will see God use it, and we will see God work good out of it for us. Uh, Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that God, uh, we see Joseph in the season of life that he's in. It's a hard season at this moment, but he's in his father's house. And Father, even today, our father loves us. There can be negative things going on with us, but God is moving us along. Amen. The Lord bless you.